Welcome to the News and Views podcast by the Fintech Times. Established in 2016, the Fintech Times is a global multimedia news outlet centered around the world's first leading fintech newspaper. We report on the latest and brightest ideas from the fintech world. Follow the conversation using hashtag TFC News and Views and follow us at the Fintech Times. Hi, I'm Polly and I'm a journalist at the Fintech Times. Hi, I'm Manisha. I'm the marketing coordinator at the Fintech Times. And this week, we're going to be talking about financial services for minority communities. So Manisha, I know you looked at immigrants and refugees this week. Yeah, that's right. So to start with, um, I looked at an article that basically portrays how immigrants in lower income countries are often financially underserved. So the statistic that I found out is, according to the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, there are 70.8 million displaced people in the world today and 25.9 million refugees living outside their home countries. So to start with, many of the immigrants don't have access to basic services such as credit history, remittances, international calling. And so the banking system for these immigrants have to be reinvented and they need to understand customer needs. There are around currently 45 million migrants in the US who need resources and assistance in the fintech community. And previously in the community around the world, immigrants have been overlooked by traditional financial institutions and services. They've had to deal with, you know, ridiculous high fees, little security and very little access to services that they need to become financially secure and stable in a new country. And even with the recent growth of fintechs, you know, there's very little finance apps that have been empowering these communities from lower disadvantaged backgrounds to manage and move their money efficiently and effectively. These migrants work so hard though, so they can send money back to their home and to their family and friends for basic necessities such as food and shelter. And therefore, access to banking is, is essential to their lifeline. Um, and without access to these funds, refugees are forced to hold money in cash, making them you know, vulnerable to theft. Thanks to you know, things such as mobile phones, bringing together the unconnected with the connected through wireless communication and the internet, this infrastructure can now deliver to a mass audience living outside of the traditional banking industry and in cash-based economies. And it can help service the unbanked through mobile money. Now, looking at a specific case study, um, so majority, the world's first banking service for migrants originally started in Texas and Florida and focused on Cuban and Nigerian communities. They've expanded now to all 50 US states. Um, the new funds will allow the company to scale the technology and operation of its platform and prepare for expansion across the US. So how the service works is you pay an extra $5 a month and members in the US get access to a number of migrant tailor services such as getting a bank account with early direct deposit and no overdraft fees or a visa debit card with cash back and even community discounts or no fee remittances and at cost international calling. They can also send mobile credits back home. Research also shows that remittances can be an alternative source of finance for developing countries as they increase income at national and household levels and consumption of essential goods and services. You know, essentially, this company majority, they offer tailored services for each community based on location. And, you know, they can receive in-person consultations, local meetup spaces and events are put on for them. The aim essentially is to serve the best solutions to immigrants with needed banking services that they don't have access to already. Another firm that also addresses this issue is 
a firm called Leaf, which uses blockchain technology to give refugees a chance to convert cash into digital currency before they leave home so they can protect their assets and access them from their new eventual new location. Overall, fintech plays a huge role in faster remittances at reduced cost, increasing household disposable income, essentially reducing poverty and income inequalities in home countries. It can also reduce financial stress as their needs are managed in terms of you know, transactions, payments, savings and credit history, resulting in a higher chance of financial inclusion, which we will probably continue to see in the years ahead. Um, Polly, you picked up on the similar sort of angle. Yes. So I wanted to just sort of explore a bit more the idea of like financial inclusion and how these sort of like personalised, tailored banks and financial products and services can sort of really help with that and get, you know, underserved and underbanked communities just into, you know, the financial system. So I feel like financial inclusion is quite, quite the hot topic at the moment. You know, many fintechs are there working on helping with the problem um, and, you know, helping these people to, you know, access the financial services that they need in order to, you know, go about their lives. So one thing that we're seeing sort of that, at least I've seen anyway, in sort of response to this idea is these sort of niche services aimed at very specific groups of people. So, for example, like you were saying, uh, Manisha, with the migrants and things like that, um, and the bank majority, um, that's a very niche service catering to a smaller segment of people. Um, But in doing that, it's catering to the needs of those specific customers, creating these bespoke products and services that they may not get elsewhere with other financial services providers. Or if they can get them, it'd be harder to access. So these kinds of like tailored products are actually super important when thinking about financial inclusion as a whole. Um, And it's something, you know, I feel like within the fintech world, it's just such an interesting topic at the moment. And I've been speaking to a lot of, you know, different people in the industry about how they're tackling it. I mean, it's an issue that has just so many facets um, and so many, you know, ways that fintech can help. So obviously everyone is different and everyone's financial needs are different. Like you were saying, Manisha, with the migrants, they have a very specific set of financial needs. Um, And one of the great things about fintech is that it can offer these super personalized services catered to these niche markets and serve those customers in the way that they need in order to manage their finances. Um, So I wanted to give a couple of other examples. Um, So there's a bank called Daylight in the US. So Daylight um, offers uh, LGBT plus communities in the US digital banking products. And it is currently the first and only bank that does so. So the idea with Daylight is that how, you know, traditional banks and financial products weren't necessarily created with a diverse audience in mind um, and generally operate on a one size fits all approach. So Daylight actually helps the LGBT plus community and offers financial products that are really quite unique and very specific to the needs of this community. Uh, So whether that's, you know, financial advice or, you know, the option of giving to sort of similarly focused charities, there are a lot of services and products that are aimed solely at these kinds of people and, you know, really fulfilling their financial needs. One of the real interesting things, though, that I think is such a game changer for the LGBT plus community is their visa payment card. So you can have this payment card, you know, just works exactly the same as any other card you'd get from any other bank, but you can have it issued in your preferred name, whether that is your legal name or not. 
So actually, this is such a huge deal for the community, particularly, you know, for transgender people who may struggle with gender dysphoria or who maybe aren't fully out yet to be able to have what they want their name to be on their bank card without having to, you know, go through the legal process of legally changing their name is actually really fantastic. And it's a perfect example of creating bespoke products to suit your particular audience and one that's really going to help them. Um, So another good example, a bit different, but again from the US, is Lily. So Lily is a digital banking company founded in 2018, and this is uh, designed to help freelancers with their banking experiences, as well as any other pain points that freelancers may come up against. So having worked freelance myself, I know, know there can be a lot of problems when trying to figure out your finances, how to do tax returns and things like that. But Lily offer what they call um, a personalised tax bucket to help freelancers track taxes and put away a certain percentage of deposits based on their income and expenses to help them in tax season. So this is a little bit different to what we were talking about with um, Majority and with Daylight. Um, But again, this is just a great solution that helps a very particular market, you know, and it's a product that those particular customers really need and it helps them access the financial services that they need. Um, And I really think such a great thing about fintech is that it offers the space to do these kinds of things and help people with these financial products and services where they need it most. You know, it's great that you can have these targeted um, solutions that help, you know, very specific people who may, you know, may not be able to find help elsewhere. Um, so, I mean, financial inclusion is definitely, you know, an all-encompassing umbrella term that you can use to talk about a lot of things. But at the end of the day, it really is just so important for everyone to be on, you know, some kind of level playing field when it comes to understanding and managing finances. Um, and I definitely think a facet of this is education. And I do think in some respects for, you know, tackling financial inclusion in some ways, more education is definitely needed when it comes to money. Um, You know, I feel like a lot of the time money can be quite a taboo topic to talk about. Um, But I do think it's really important to be educated, you know, at a young age about money, how it works, how to budget and things like that. And again, this is where fintech steps in with a lot of great companies out there creating products to help educate children um, Go Henry and Rooster Money are just two examples that I can think of off the top of my head. But, you know, again, that's, you know, another example of quite a very specific market, children, and how to educate and help them with their finances. So, I mean, at the end of the day, as I've said, the fintech industry is just such a great place to be tackling this problem of financial inclusion. Personalization within banking and tailored financial products Um, And then creating these solutions based on real customer needs is absolutely how things are just going to get better. And we're going to increase financial inclusion. It's really exciting to see just how many niche banks are out there offering these bespoke products to their customers. Um, And I really do look forward to see what other ones pop up in the next few years and just to see how this journey is going with everything that's happening in the fintech industry at the moment. I really do think financial inclusion is just going to get better and better as the time goes by. Thanks for listening to the News and Views podcast by the Fintech Times. Don't miss next week's episode and continue the conversations using hashtag TFT News and Views and follow us at the Fintech Times.